the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It is a delight to do so, as we do most Thursdays, with our good friend Sam Stone, political consultant in town. He is also the host of his own radio show, Heard Right Here, breaking battlegrounds every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. And you can follow him on Twitter at SamThePaul, P-O-L. Sammy, how are you, man? Well, I, I didn't have to flee the state to avoid getting my picture taken with Joe Biden today, so I'm good. You know, I'll tell you something. It's hard to articulate this, but uh, and I have no idea why the uh, motorcade would have been going down Bethany Home and 16th Street, kind of, you know, where I live. And um, grief. but yeah, but but it was. And um, I saw the two limos in the whole the whole motorcade. And I the thought I had, I, I said, it's hard to articulate, but. It it just felt like a lot about not. It just didn't give me any. I've seen motorcades of Democrats before, Democratic presidents. I've seen Obama motorcades and Bill Clinton motorcades, and you say it's kind of cool, you know? There goes the president. I, I just oh, it, it, it almost felt really like those cool. cars were just representing something empty. Well, I mean, what those cars are representing is is almost an an early funeral procession because it, you've got a president who is really clearly on his last legs and who I frankly feel like it's is suffering elder abuse yeah. from the people around him to keep him in that office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been blocked off the same way as if it were that kind of a procession. But yeah, it's just it's 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 a vacancy. It's an emptiness. It's a cipher. It's just a zero in there. And it's just kind of sad because it has all the forms and appurtenances of the presidency. It just doesn't have a president in the presidency. No, and and that's an incredibly dangerous thing. I mean, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but there is nobody outside of that White House who knows who's making the decisions that's right. in this country. That's right. That's right. That's that's actually an important sense. There's no one outside the White House who knows who's making those decisions, unless that person is also outside the White House. But uh, outside Entirely of that possible, one, yeah, but, right. but we don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's it, it is a dangerous thing because it means there's no accountability and there's no representation. I mean, that is the definition of what a representative government would be represented by someone. And we don't know who we're represented by. Right. Yeah. I, I love that Democrats are constantly banging on that Republicans and Trump and this and that are such a threat to democracy. But right. the foundational principle of any democratic institution, whether it be a democratic right. republic like we have or any other democracy, um, is that we elect specific people to lead us. Right. And in this case, we've elected we elected somebody, the country elected somebody, but he's clearly not leading right. us. Right. It, as far as attacks on the principles of democracy go, there is no greater attack on the principles of democracy than to have a president who is not the president being propped up by people around him for their own self-interest. And not only that, not only is that what we're being accused of, he comes here today and in Tempe makes those charges against us at an event dedicated to the notion of mechaniac bipartisanship. 
He says, quote, today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA extremists. He said this MAGA threat is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions, a threat to the character of of our nation that gives our Constitution life and that binds us together as Americans in a common cause. So in this notion of bipartisanship, in a tribute to John McCain and his opaeans to such bipartisanship, he writes off the entire Republican Party as a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. It takes a certain level of what you might call in the old country chutzpah to get away with that. Yeah, but it's not chutzpah in his case okay. or, or any Democrat's case because they know that they have the backing yeah. of most of the media, yeah. right? Yeah. So their sins will be glossed over or completely ignored. Uh, their messages, whenever it goes off track, and this is one of the things working, everyone knows I worked with Carrie Lake as she's looking at another run. Uh-huh. One of the things that would drive me crazy is that we could message all sorts of stuff and invariably whatever could be used against her most effectively was the two seconds, five second snippet they cut out of yeah. whatever she said. Yeah. And take it out of context, do all this. I mean, really treat it very unfairly. And then they give the exact opposite treatment to Joe Biden and Democrats everywhere, where almost no matter what they say, you know, there's really no I mean, there's no accountability, but there's frankly a concerted effort to make sure that there's no knowledge that that was ever said. Yeah, that's exactly right, that there's no knowledge that that was ever said. I mean, I in my first hour, I was talking about, you know, just what party is the extreme party? What party supported and defended and had a vice president bailing out rioters that led to the deaths of over two dozen people and two billion dollars plus worth of damage and emptied out cities. What's the party that's trying to rewrite the year 1776 to some other year no one had ever heard of until two years ago? What's the party that can't define a woman? What's the party that wants two national anthems? What's the party that will support and defend abortion all through nine and months plus postpartum? What's the party that thinks it's okay for men to compete in women's sports? What's the party that leaves our border entirely open, not porous? Porous means there's some seals, totally wide open. What's the party that hosts strip tease shows on the White House lawn for the 4th of July and has F the 4th? parties. Um, it, it, th- is any of that abnormal or a threat to, let's use Joe Biden's words, if I might, just once again, Joe Biden's words being brick and mortar of our democratic institutions? It, yeah, it, it all is. And, and here's the interesting thing about all of that. I, I saw a little clip today, and I actually don't know who the speaker was. It was a you know podcast clip that someone had put up on Facebook, and they didn't put good context behind it. But uh, the speaker was saying, you know, you look back, start in 2010, where you had all the, you know, these uh, the Occupy Wall Street protests. And, and on the other side of the coin, you had the Tea Party protests and all these people who are essentially protesting the same things from from very different perspectives. They're protesting the bailouts of the big banks. They're protesting the offshoring of our economy. You know, all of these things that are conditions that that have created a, a a sort of intractable scenario for many Americans where if you're not highly educated, your opportunities are very limited. And, you know, the interesting thing about that, he said, is, look, all these elites, the, you know, the, the people at the Fed, the people at the CIA, the people at the top of the food chain, 
they're really happy to have us fighting about transgender issues and to have us fighting about abortion and to have us fighting about all these things that don't affect their bottom line or their control or their power. Uh And so I really think that a lot of what you're seeing is a very deliberate attempt to drive these wedges. And they're coming from the left. That's where the extremism is coming from, to drive these wedges to to, to hide and mask the fact that these elites, you know, call them the uniparty elites, um, have failed. I mean, they've failed at everything. They, yeah. You know, they have shown that when it comes to our foreign wars and engagements, they're not only injudicious about what they do, but they're incompetent in the execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have shown over and over that when it comes to the economy, they're not good at keeping any, ter- any sort of promises about, re- you know, bringing back manufacturing or rebuilding the American middle class. What they are good at is making sure that when FTX gets caught with its hand in the cookie jar, that no one suffers the punishment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm inclined to believe that. And you may. Did you Did you have. Was, was your major in poli sci, by the way, Sam? Minor, actually, a history. Okay, so you may have come into contact with a book the left was all about once upon a time called The Power Elite by C. Wright Mills. It was pop. Yes, you remember. We were were all educated on that book in the 80s, weren't we, about how um, conservatives, uh, mostly conservative institutions, uh, were creating a um, an infrastructure, if you will, that involved what was it? Uh, corporate interests, military interests, um, political, and I, you might even probably add journalism. I, I I just don't remember to create kind of this conservative notion where basically liberals felt like they were powerless. To the degree that may have ever been true, to the degree it may have ever been true. It's certainly in reverse right now, and it seems to me someone needs to revive this notion or this book, The Power Elite. It was hugely monumental back in its day. Yeah, it absolutely was. And, and you know, I do think it needs to be rewritten. Uh, the, the problem, of course, like so much that comes out of academia, is that it came from a very slanted perspective Correct. of someone who blamed all of that on, right. on the left or on the right. But, you know, one of the interesting things – so. I haven't seen this an update on this since then, but it, but in 2020, nine of the ten uh, Forbes uh, top ten were major Democrat megabuglers. Hold that thought right there, Sam Stone, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, political consultant, radio host, host of Breaking Battlegrounds here every Saturday at three. Sam Stone, my guest. Uh, Sam, the other book that did that, um, interestingly enough, it was written much later. It was written uh, uh, in the 80s, was a book by a man still alive, uh, barely, I think, Noam Chomsky at MIT called Manufacturing Consent, which was explicitly about the media and how they all had the same. You were making the point right before the break, nine out of the 10 wealthiest people in America, according to Forbes, all major Democratic donors or bundlers or fundraisers, or at least identifying with the Democratic Party. That is the power elite today. And um, that that is the thing, I think, that um, the Democratic Party today doesn't get about uh, non-Democrats, uh, whether they're Republicans or whether they're independents who have left the Democratic Party. They just don't feel represented by this party anymore. They kind of look at where this today's Democratic Party is. And as much as Joe Biden wants to say this isn't your grandfather's Republican Party, I think he's wrong. As much as he wants to say that, I've been kicking around this thesis for a while. 
probably not unique to me, that the Democratic Party of the 70s and 80s wasn't today's Democratic Party. The liberal of the liberal of the liberal in the Democratic Party, everyone says, well, the Democratic Party changed with George McGovern. He was the liberal turning point. This man would not recognize today's Democratic Party. He was a proud American veteran who had patriotism flowing through his veins. He would not put up he, with this stuff. He would get crushed by some out-and-out socialist right. in, in a, any Democrat primary, right. period. Right, right, right. Yep. It's, so, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I just think that one of the things, I mean, the reason the press tries so hard uh, to limit the messaging that's coming from Democrats and to avoid their foibles the way we've been talking about is because if the average person realized just how far Democrat Party leadership has gotten uh, from them, that they would not be Democrats any longer. I think it's interesting. So the attack on Russell Brand, I, I find very interesting yeah. because there's a pattern out there. And, and I'm not going to excuse anything Russell Brand may have done, although so far the allegations appear to be really questionable. But you know, look, the, the guy was not a moral person throughout his 20s and 30s and into his 40s. I mean, you know, he was not a moral person, so who knows? And that's one of the things with these sort of ex-leftists who are leaving and then start to become powerful voices saying, you know, this is crazy. What's going on is, is nuts. It's not working, blah, blah, blah. Whenever one of those comes up, there's one of these scandals that's used to try to take them down. And you see how hard they're going after him and trying to take away his reach into multiple audiences. And the all timing kind of is thing. interesting because a lot of this is far back in the rearview mirror, isn't it? Yeah, it's really far back. Yeah. And, and, you know, like the central allegation that Britain has laid down comes from a girl who uh, was 16 at the time. And he was in his like, I think he was 37 or something. But the age of consent in Britain is 16. OK. And that's too low, personally. Yeah, yeah, we're not going mean, to... Right, right, we're not lauding, we're not, not, not doffing our hat yeah, to the Britons I'm for not, that. I'm not, I'm not, like, giving him kudos right, right. For, for having a relationship But with one wonders where this charge was for the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and where is it now? Because yeah. as long as that's the age of consent, unless they're, they're claiming that she wasn't consenting, which they're not, right. then, then what's the crime? And I think what's happening is every time one of these people like Russell Brand, who can really have reach into the center on the left, into parts of the universe that right wing social media does not reach, then they have to find a way to take them down very, very quickly. And, and I, I would bet, by the way, that the guy skating on the thinnest ice right now with them is Bill Maher. I think you're right about that. Um I, I, I would I would agree with that. And and I um I have some experience with this in the sense that I have been around a lot of conservatives who used to be Democrats. Um Norman Podhoritz, David you know a lot of these people. You've interviewed many of them. David Horowitz, I think you've probably interviewed, for yep. example. Uh David Horowitz, uh William Bennett. A lot of these guys will tell someone when they are leaving leftism for conservatism. Be careful and watch yourself. There is nothing the left hates more. It's kind of like leaving radical Islam. There is nothing the left hates more than a convert out who leaves their who leaves their tribe. They go after you, fork and tongue. Well, remember that I, I always use the analogy, but when it comes to elections, uh, Republicans herd cats and Democrats herd sheep. Okay, right. Okay, okay. Um, if you herd sheep. The thing you're most afraid of is a shepherd who doesn't share your message. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And I have to tell you, I wasn't going to have guessed the rest of your sentence. The end of your sentence was Bill Maher. But I've spent a fair amount of time watching his uh, interviews on um, on that podcast he does, the Something Room, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, whatever the. You know I, what? I don't know the name. Yeah, of yeah, either, I can't think of it either. Podcast, yeah. the, the man is a conservative. Uh, he will not vote for a Republican. He will tell you he will not vote for a Republican. But the man is a conservative by any yeah, standard well, definition. He's a conservative in this moment in time yeah. when leftism has overtaken. You know, I don't like Club to, Random. I, that's it. Sorry, Club Random. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very careful. It's a great podcast. Highly recommend yeah. it, folks. Check it out. Um, but you know, I'm very careful now to not use the word liberal in relation to Democrats Good. because classic liberalism is something radically opposed to the agenda of the modern left. Yep. Yep. And every principle of the liberal ideal is being thrown out in favor of group identity politics, which is really just a cover for power seeking and, and graft. Yep. 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 I think that's right. I, 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 I think that's absolutely right. And I don't know. I mean, one wants to use the word liberal for Bill Maher in a sense. One wants to. Well, use I think it. he is. Yeah, I, I think he's actually still a classical liberal. I always thought he leaned more libertarian, classical liberal than yeah. left classical liberal. But he's somewhere in there, right? Yeah, he's well, that's why I liked your qualification. In this moment, he's a conservative because when he takes on this woke stuff, he sounds like you or me or Riley Gaines. I mean, he uses the same exact language, and he pushes pretty hard on his guests to support that nonsense. He does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, you would have liked what he and, said about home. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You would have liked what he said. You're a homeless expert. You would have liked what he said to, uh, I don't know who he was interviewing. I just liked the line about, you know, how he uses this phraseology that he didn't change. He's always stayed the same. The rest of the party changed. He said, I'll give you an example. He goes, take the homeless issue. He goes, I remember doing comedy and music benefits for the homeless issue 20, 30 years ago. And the point of the benefit was to, you know, raise funds to get these people housed and off the street. He goes, you try and do that now, they will shut you down. I still want to get them housed and off the street, but liberalism yep. doesn't want it or the leftism doesn't want to do that anymore. That is not the cause for the homeless, as you well know. Yeah, no, I actually caught that clip also, and yeah. I was very glad he said that. Yeah. And, you know, look, I think I think the reality is that when someone I think Bill Maher is probably representative of a very significant portion of people who self-identify as Democrats. Do you let me take a break and pick up on that with you? I wonder about that. And you may be you may be much more um, much more accurate than I am. You might be more optimistic than I am, though. But you, you you can balance it out for me on this other side of the break. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam the Paul P.O.L. on Twitter and host of Breaking Battlegrounds here every uh, 3 p.m. on Saturdays. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, you made an interesting uh, argument right before the break that you think that Bill Maher might be, or the way he represents cultural views, might be... Uh, uh, might have a lot. Uh, his point of view has a lot, of, a lot more support in the Democratic Party. You think than people think. My view on that is that he kind of represents the problem in a way that um, 
I don't give a lot of credit to the Democratic Party or people who vote for Democrats uh, do, because he'll run through the litany of how wrong the left and the Democratic Party is and then say, of course, I'll never vote for a Republican. And I just wonder, you know, so many people do vote for Democrats that don't really know what the Democratic Party stands for, but kind of buy hook, line and sinker the narrative that Biden is a moderate and has no truck with the likes of, I don't know, Ilan Omar, when in fact there's no difference. Yeah, so I want to break that into two Please. two different things. Yeah. One is Bill Maher himself, and one is people who essentially hold the same views as Bill Maher. I, I don't think they're a majority of the Democrat Party, but I do think they may be 30 or 40 percent of it. It's a significant portion. Not all of them are going to come to the same conclusion. This is what the left is afraid of and why controlling the message and, and limiting what people see that might go against their narrative is so critical to them. Because not all of those are going to make the same decision that Bill Maher is making, where he's saying, but I just don't like, you know, yeah. for Bill, he, his identity is as a Democrat. Yeah. That's his identity. Yeah. So he, you know, for him, giving that up is a much different thing than for a blue collar uh, uh, factory worker in Kentucky um, or in Illinois. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. So the or danger, a disgruntled and, Republican who just doesn't like the attitude of certain other Republicans who are running for office, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, so I think if you break it down, the, what they really fear and why I say Bill could be the next target is because while he might be finishing his things by saying, I'd never vote yeah. for a Republican. Right. Um, what other people are hearing is Democrats are, are terrible at this governing thing. Their ideas are awful. Everything's failed. Uh, you know, their their plans are batty. It, it, there's, it, you don't have to have 20 or 30 percent or 40 percent of the Democrat Party decide, oh, I'm going to start voting Republican. That's not realistic, right? But what if 5 percent of their consistent yeah. voting block shifted? Yep. They're, they're in huge trouble. That's the point my guest, Tevi Troy, was making yesterday. He said um, the idea that blacks will switch and realign to the Republican Party is a pipe dream. Same with Jewish American voters, African American voters, and Jewish American voters. Those are pipe dreams. But if you change 5 to 10 percent of that vote from where it is now, that's a nightmare for Democrats. That's exactly right. Yeah. You don't have to. Republicans don't have to start winning traditional Democrat right. voter blocks. Right. They just have to do better. Right. And right. if that happens, Democrats are in huge trouble. Yeah. And, you know, look, all of their, uh, you know, ethnic majority long term ba- is not based on black Americans. It's based on Hispanic Americans. Right. And that's where I think there is a real danger. Yeah, for that's them. that. That I yes. Tevi did not say that that was a pipe dream, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and it's not. Yeah. And and it nobody in the party should consider it and we should understand that when we're crafting policies we need to include our our Latin American community neighbors in those policies because at the end of the day their values align with ours. In other words, all we have to do is get them to open the door to us. And, and I think a lot of that shift you're That's seeing That's been my happen. experience uh, in every Hispanic church I've spoken at on issues. Um, and it's not just on that issue. You know, they are Republicans. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I got to tell you, we didn't even mention the debate last night. Maybe that says something. That's how we're maybe that it speaks to the irrelevance. It, yeah, it, it says something. I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> the reason I haven't gone there is because I, I had a really hard time staying awake for it. That was terrible. But there was something um, over uh, – how do I want to put this? There was something 
saccharine and overly um over overly propitious about in, inviting that 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 uh the this the the deemed need to have Univision represented by someone who only is there to speak about Hispanic issues and then opens it up in the Spanish language. There's something I don't like about that, Sam. I'll tell you, I don't think that most Hispanic Americans in this country want to hear that either. I don't think they want to be thought of that way. I think that's a type of pandering that's insulting. Yeah, I do too. I, I, do I too. also think that it, it's insulting to to everybody. I mean, at the end of the day, look. The language of the United States is English, which is also the language of business and international air travel and, and all sorts of other things for a reason. Yep. Um, and you talk to people who are Hispanic immigrants here, their kids are all learning English in school. So yes. while they might struggle for the rest of their lives, their kids are all becoming yes. fluent in English. Yes. Um, and, and they so, want them look, to. And the parents and they want, want them, them to. to. So, yep. so stop this pandering. Stop it. Stop I mean, I realize the Univision is, is what it is, but stop. Thank you. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone, radio host, political consultant. Sam the Paul over at Twix. I don't know why I kept not calling it the name we've given. <laughs> um, but can I go back? We'll come back to the debate in a minute because I just I, I've been waiting all week to do this with you. We were talking about you. You were talking about how the media has a certain narrative, um, and and it's it, and you know it's burned in amber and it's weird. Uh, how unimaginative the media is and how obvious it is to see what they're doing. I um, I was reading a piece in the Arizona Republic uh, earlier this week, and your name was printed, and uh, it said, Hard Right Republican Sam Stone. And yes. I, if there's anything I know, it's ideology. I, I mean, I am really pretty expert at it. Well, I know a little bit about barbecue and uh, trumpet, too. But if in the political or philosophical realm there's anything, I know it's ideology. And I thought, hard right Republican. Is there any living Republican, living Republican that isn't hard right or extremist in any media outlet that isn't owned by a conservative anywhere in the country? It's really odd to me. It's really odd because I know you well and I know your politics well. And if you're hard right— I don't know what I would say. If you're if you're hard right, then Ted Cruz is a liberal. <laughs> right. No, I mean, you know, this is the funny thing. And I, I tell this to people all the time and they're sort of shocked. And I know I think you and I've talked about this before. But if, if you go back, you know, 25 years, I was a Democrat. Yeah. I was a very blue dog Democrat, yeah. fiscal conservative Democrat. But I, I was a Democrat. I have basically not changed any of my positions. I mean, certain issues evolved. And so your, your, you know, preferred response and policy, you know, might change. That's been the case. But at the same time, like the values, the principles that I was raised on, which were essentially classically liberal values. Um, if you know, Robert again, Kennedy senior were running today, my guess is you'd be working for him. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I, that's and that's basically where I was. The problem is that none of that Kennedy clan from the 60s could possibly right. get through a Democrat right. primary. That's now. right. That's right. That's right. 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 That notion. <laughs> All right. 
Sam Stone. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, look, I, you know, it, are, are you going to, you know, I don't even know what to say anymore. My, my favorite part was that piece was written by Phil Boas. Well, I know a conservative, and, and kind of a conservative yeah. guy wrote that. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I, I know. I know. But I, that's how hard the narrative is. That's how hard it is. No living Republican is anything other than extremist, far right or hard right. Yeah. Well, and, and granted, look, that Phil really likes Karen Taylor Robeson. Okay. And part of that piece, the entire point of that piece was to start lining her up for her next run. OK, still, right? it doesn't mean they so, have to get ideology. wrong. Well, no, so yeah, <laughs> it does in a certain sense, because I actually think and, and, you know, I hope I'm not patting myself on the back too much with this. But I truly believe that what she did in my race is different than than all the money she spent against Kerry. I understand. Because you were running a primary against Kerry, anything goes. Yeah, I understand. I do. I do. I do. Jumping in, and, and look, I'm going to be public about it when it comes time. Um, let and me, she's running. Let me do this. Let me ask you about what you saw last night before you fell asleep, or what you saw last night that helped put you to sleep. Well, um, while I was trying desperately to stop, not fall asleep. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, any, any, anything to take away other than how – I mean, the thing I'm taking away is these things – leading up to it, Sam, I was amazed at how little interest there was in it. Uh, you, usually you hear buzz about these Republican debates. There's a vibration. It's like the Super Bowl. There's excitement. And there was some of that with the first debate. There was none of that last night. So much so, there were three conservative events in town last night competing with it. I mean, it just – Yeah. It, it, was, it was not – it was not all that interesting. I mean, you, you you know, I only tuned in because I have to for the work I do. Um, but realistically, I had no interest in it. It I, I do think I and I said at the time, I thought it was very smart of Donald Trump to skip that debate. Agreed. Um, I wish he had tried to work with the RNC to be at this one and potentially just cut the field, you know, cut it down to the top four or something like that. Right. Say, if I'm going to participate, you can only let three more people in, Um, because I think it's time Americans who aren't tuning into to Twix and who aren't tuning into Newsmax start seeing what Donald Trump is saying. Well, there, you know, three months ago, consultants and pollsters would look at the polls where Trump was so far ahead and say it's way too early. They just don't mean anything. But, you know, pull in and pull out. And now on top of that, the Washington Post ABC poll of earlier this week, I think Monday, it has led to this encrusted view burned in amber, I think, or very, very closely burned, in, almost burned in amber, that Donald Trump is the inevitable nominee. And all of this other stuff just doesn't matter. I there's I think there's a sense of that. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, go ahead. I, I 100% agree. They're not that. saying, 100%. in other words, it's too early anymore and these polls don't mean anything. I'm not hearing no. that anymore. Yeah. No, look, I, I think, you know, the problem is you just had a presidential debate without the person who's going to be the nominee. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's it. That's it. That's well put. Right. So it's, right. it's not a presidential debate. It's like uh, who wants a cabinet position and who wants to score some brownie points by t- attacking Trump debate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Do you still agree with me uh, when I say still? I mean, this was my thought after the last one. DeSantis was fine. Not good enough. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah he was. He was perfectly fine. I didn't object to anything he said, particularly. I, I just didn't. There was no reason there to yeah. make him the nominee. Right. I thought Haley, again, ha- handled herself well. Yeah. 
Um, I thought Christie was a step down from where uh, he yeah, was I did in the too. first debate. Yep, yep. Uh, same score. Same. Uh, yep. Well, well done. Um, Next. Five, I, I thought. I thought he was a I step think, down too. He was a step down, and and I think you know, look, the wheels are kind of coming off. The the forward progress is over, but. Let's not. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be the one thing I really disagreed with Nikki about were, were some of her attacks on him. He's bringing up stuff that still no one else is talking about. True. And thank you, Vivek, for doing so. Yes, he is. He's not doing it as well as he used to. And no, I, I look. I think. I think. I he think and his cage has been knows. rattled a little bit. Yeah, it has. It has. But you know what? He was never going to be the nominee. Right. Right. And, you know, you, you, let's just be honest about that. He was never going to be the nominee. Yep. And that's okay. There's, there's lots of room to run for things other than being the nominee. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. Uh, you could be running for vice president and you could be running for a cabinet position. And you could be like Mitt Romney and just run for different offices in different states as well as federal office, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and be a different kind of Republican in every case. You know? Well, look, I mean, you know, would would you count Vivek out right now if he ran in a a purple to blue swing state for the U.S. Senate? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Not only would I count, I, I wouldn't count him out. I think he'd have a really good shot at it. Yeah, exactly. He's exactly the kind of person you would want in the Senate. He's exactly, exactly the kind of person you want in a debating society where you should have a far range of views. You know, he would add to that group that you and I think of when we think of senators who stand out. You know, your J.D. Vance's, your Josh Hawley's, your Tom Cotton. Right. We, you and I have a list yeah. of about five out of 49 yep. that stand out. He'd be one of them. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely would be. And, and so, I, you know, I hope the people around him are giving him good advice at this point. And, and they seem to be good. Well, I always get good thoughts from you, Sam. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I look forward to these talks every week. It's always fun, man. And quit being hard right. right. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Portions are brought, of which are brought to you by the good people over at Y-Refi. Y-Refi, Y-Refi is uh, located here uh, in the Valley of the Sun. Their headquarters is on Scottsdale. It's on uh, Scottsdale Road in the 101, and you can visit them. Uh, they encourage it. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. But what they do offer is an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. How high? Up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of of return. And it's an investment in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. If you're worried about stock market volatility or if you're worried about inflation or a possible recession, not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. I didn't ask you what uh, pin you're wearing today, David, and on such a political day, it seems odd that I haven't. 
Goldwater Miller are the men in 64. What does it say? Goldwater and Miller are the men in 64. Oh, okay. All right. Was that what, was there a reason for it? Was it based on my quoting Phyllis Schlafly yesterday? Or? Well, sort of. This was uh, the only election that doesn't have, as we discussed, I think, earlier two days ago in the week, a Dole, a Bush, or a Nixon. Uh-huh. That was yeah. one of the few that didn't have a Dole, a Bush, a or choice, a Nixon. A choice, not an echo. That's right. A choice, not an echo. And since 72, there was only... Between seventy two and oh eight, there was no there was, was nothing. There, there was no election without until, a not a Dole or a Bush, right? Till McCain Palin. That's yeah. right. Till McCain Palin. You want a party bigger than that? You just do, and uh, that's why I think the Democrats are probably. I was making this point. Was it yesterday or the day before? That's why I don't think the Democrats are going to look at Michelle Obama. But I think mostly it's because Michelle Obama doesn't want them looking at her. Um, they don't have a wonderful bench um, by any stretch of the imagination. But they have a couple of people. Uh, I'm looking at one of them on Fox News right now from last night, and that's Gavin Newsom. It's interesting they send Gavin Newsom to do talking points for the Democratic Party at the debate, although they are very angry that he is debating Ron DeSantis. Good enough for talking points and defending the White House. Not good enough to make the case for himself is their view because he will outshine them. But it says something awful about this presidency when you have to outsource the eloquence, doesn't it? You have to outsource the eloquence, and for now they have to outsource it to people like Gavin Newsom. Remember when Obama was having a hard time early on in his presidency? They had to outsource. A, they had to dispatch Bill Clinton to go sell Obamacare. Do you remember that? You may or may not remember that, but they had to. They called on the man. They called the Secretary of Explaining Things. All right. Until tomorrow. God bless you all. For David Dahl, I'm Seth Liebson. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.